Yo, what's up? It's your girl, DJ Narc. What's going on? I have a water bottle here that looks a little bit like a sippy cup. And it comes with its own straw. And uh, <laughs> I can't tell you how appropriate this little device is for potting. Because you wouldn't imagine, but you run out of water. Like... I know the solution would be to get a pitcher and a glass, but that seems too 1700s for me. <laughs> but I will have you know that it is a BPA-free, I think it's a Swedish company, Sistema, uh, that makes this water bottle. Anyway, it doesn't matter. No, that was not an ad. You know, I really like the Huberman Lab podcast, but I gotta tell you, that little bit that he does in the beginning with all the ads yeah that sucks the first few times I listened because I respect him and I was like yeah he seems to be making sense these seem to be great products but after like the third or fourth time and you just really want to get to the meat of what he's saying it just starts to seem I think it affects his credibility and I'm always going to be in that camp you know if you've ever wondered how come, you know, people do all kinds of, like, quote-unquote fun things. I don't think any of these things are fun, but giveaways and sales and all these different, like, tools that are meant to seem like you're getting something great, but actually you're just paying the same prices and making actually more of a profit um, for the people, you know, offering these little gimmicks, which is fine, you know, uh, increase sales however you want to, no problem. I just don't like, I'm too much, I'm too proud to have to sell someone on something. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, I have this great thing. You want it or you don't want it. If you don't want it, no worries. Like, I'm actually kind of judging you because you don't have very good taste and why would I try to convince you if you have bad taste of what I have you know I'm very keen on this whole biblical not throwing pearls before swine thing I've understood it from a very young age and I actually really now uh well even then to be fair but now as I'm much older um I, I really appreciated being in catholic school I just feel like we got such a mm, Drink something, please. Um, I feel like we got such like a mythical education. You know, it was like, and this is no disrespect to the uh, Christian or the Catholic religion, but <clears throat> it was like going to school in like Harry Potter world, but like uh, not very <laughs> friendly. <laughs> and that's not because our teachers weren't. Well, we had one teacher. Mr. Cruz. I'm so sorry. There's one person in particular that's very triggered by hearing that name. And I'm so sorry about that. And I love you. Um, But we had a teacher that was like a real problem. Like he abused the students. And not like sexually abused the students. You know, Catholic school, etc. So we did end up, uh, we heard much later that we had a priest in the parish who did shit like that. I, I don't think it happened in our uh generation. But anyway. No, this guy, he... uh. He was kind of like a militant, uh, psychopathic kind of dude. Um, and yeah, he was, he was 
terrible to his students. I always wonder, and now this is, again, very triggering for my um, grammar school classmate, but I always wonder, like, what my life would have been like. Like, this is how monumentally horrendous this teacher was. I always wonder what my life would have been like or what I would have been like as a person if I had, instead of that year, instead of being placed in Mr. Keenan's class, if I had been placed in Mr. Cruz's. And I know that's like, well, you were, you know, it's fourth grade. But first of all, fourth grade ended up being the most impactful year of education for me in my entire life. And that's like including like higher education, extent, like everything, everything. Fourth, fourth grade was the most beautiful, safe time in my life. And it was simply, simply like, look at the, the extreme contrast here. Like the binariness, I'm so sorry to all the mathematicians out there, but the binary quality, I know that's not a word, but the binary quality of this particular construct is so brutal sometimes, right? The, the difference is so stark. I wonder what my life would be like, what I, no, 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 what I would be like as a person if, you know, when we, when we uh, graduated out of third grade, if someone had just, or, or, you know, I think they did it alphabetically, if I, if my last name had just been a little bit higher on the list, I could have been Mr. Cruz's student, and from what I can tell, it was hell on earth every day. People, yo, he threw a desk at Gabriel. Do you know what a Catholic school desk looks like? Yo, no joke. You could kill a grown man if you, if, and if you, imagine the strength that a man has to have to pick that desk up. <laughs> and then to throw it. Wait, and then you're throwing it at the worst kid in the school who's a Scorpio born on Halloween. Okay that's already been through some shit and is only in fourth grade, listen to me, <laughs> would grow up to become, you know, kilo grams and cut, would, would grow up to become like hardcore rapper. But in fourth grade, Gabriel's just a kid, you know? And here come Mr. Cruz, mad at Gabriel because Gabriel has that Scorpio, you know, he's got that, he, <laughs> he's got that trickster spirit. You know, he don't like authority. He was he was real tall even back then to the point where I think it intimidated him and his sister both really tall. Um, and I think that Mr. Cruz was intimidated. Mr. Cruz was Filipino and he was kind of small. Um, I think, you know, now that I think about it, because I have um, I have a lot of like now in my adult life, I have a lot of Filipino friends. And one of the things that they'll often talk about is like when people go back home to get the surgery to make you taller and for some reason i don't know why but ever since i heard about that i've been thinking like yeah mr cruz definitely did that shit because he looked like a small person who was not a small person do you feel me like he was too small to be so tall boy how many different men in your life does that apply to Ooh. We're getting there. Oh, don't worry. We're fucking getting there today, buddy. Um, by the way, I would just like to point out that I am laying down in my bed. So, like, when I'm just laying in my bed, 
I be talking fucking reckless. So, just so you know. Okay. I don't know. Like, like for future reference, if you're out there somewhere, the person I'm going to end up dating next, don't ever argue with me if I'm laying in a bed. Because the things I will say to you once I'm horizontal, like, it's like, <laughs> just, 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 no. People learn early. They're like, nope. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. It's straight daggers if I'm laying down. So, <clears throat> here we are. And what I was saying about fourth grade was, there you had that on one side. And and the throwing the desk was nothing compared to the other shit this motherfucker was doing. And the constant state of fucking terror that these children lived in day in and day out. And, and sometimes like twice a day there were incidents, no joke, before lunch and after lunch. We only know because we were next door and we would sometimes hear shit and we would just be like looking at Mr. Keenan in our eyes. Big like saucers. Like what the fuck? Now let me tell you about Mr. Keenan. Mr. Keenan was a white guy in finance. He was a banker. Super, super handsome. Wore fucking... $5,000 suits. No fucking joke. No joke. He was very Catholic. He was um, obviously Irish. A devoted. Devoted Irish Catholic. Had a beautiful wife. Two uh, daughters. One who was like three or four. And the other had just been born. And he had made. Check this out. He had made so much money. <laughs> It, this is motherfucking 80s, okay? This is even before uh, Glass-Steagall is, is uh, repealed and, and banking really goes insane. This is before that. This is the fucking 1980s, okay? Mr. Keenan had made so much money that he decided to do something we had never fucking heard of. He decided to take a sabbatical. And we're all like looking at him. He's telling us it's the first day of class. And we're like, Mind you, he's sitting there in the Armani suit while he's telling, telling us this stuff. And we're just like, what? And here's how you know that there was a time before when your life was so much sweeter and nicer before you went through puberty. Now that I think about it, Mr. Keenan was hot as fuck. Yo, motherfucker was hot. But you know what? Even even fast-ass little me, even libidinal me, you know, fucking Taurus, Vedic Taurus over here. Even I didn't see it. And And trust me, like, I could see that shit young. Like, I'd be like, yo, that dude's hot as fuck, you know? But fourth grade, nah. Like, we were innocent. You know? Like, Mr. Kid, yeah, he was wearing an Armani suit. That's true. He was he was the nicest, kindest, sweetest person that we knew. He took us on field trips every week. Because <laughs> this is the thing you have to realize. Mr. Keenan was doing it for fun. He didn't even take a salary that year. His daughter, his second daughter, was uh, born diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. And I think that it, like... You know, like... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm just having a flashback. Of when he showed us a picture of his daughter in her little pumpkin Halloween costume and I remember I'd never seen a baby in a Halloween costume and I remember thinking how lucky that baby was <laughs> I mean you're talking an immigrant family where you had to sneak by the costume sneak wear it out <laughs> all the other immigrants are like yeah girl yeah I know I know 
I'm not unique in my pain. Ooh, phone. You did not need to fall over. Sorry about that. Whatever you heard on your end, that was just the phone falling into the bed. Anyway. So I think that when his daughter, or something, something, I don't know if it was cystic fibrosis. That was, I think, no, Sister Cleavy in in high school. I've always been in religious schools. In high school, I think it was her talking about her brother had a daughter with cystic fibrosis. Sister Cleavy's amazing. Sister Cleavy Youngblood. Can you imagine a name like that? Sister Cleavy Youngblood. Get the fuck out of here. Yo, Sister Cleavy's a badass. But I remember her telling us that her brother had come to her and said, you know, what a blessing. And she said, yo, your daughter's been born with Sister No, Sister Cleavy did not say yo. <clears throat> Whatever I tell you is a DJ narc, gender neutral, New York filtered version, okay? So Sister Cleavy was like, yo, what are you talking about? (laughs) And he was like, well, every morning I have to pat her back, you know, to to get the mucus and the phlegm moving. And I get to spend so much time with her. My God. God bless me with a sick child. That's some shit, yo. That's what I'm telling you. Like, whenever people, like, rag on Christians or Jews or... I'm like, nah, you can't, like... Yo, this is not the way. Like, people of any faith who believe that much to that point, That you believe that a sick child is a blessing? Like that's... That's... What else is there? (laughs) That's the top. That's the highest of the high. But so I wasn't... So I don't think it was that she had to say something, something. I think personally he was burnt out. As someone who would later go on to become a securities trader, I can tell you. Now that he was burnt out, he needed to do something. And because he was a Catholic, he let his faith guide him. And he took a year off to do some good. And you know, I don't think even he would, if you found him now, if he's still alive, God bless him. I don't think even he would understand now the impact that him making that decision had on a group of minority kids worlds away, how he changed the world. Think about that. Listen to me. How he changed the world. The world. By saving 26 of us. Actually, no. Not 26 of us. I don't know, 20 of us from something that would have broken us. Because I'll tell you what, and this is something I haven't said to my grammar school friends, so I know you're listening, so just perk up your ears. I'll tell you what, with what was going on with me, yo, I wouldn't have survived, Mr. Cruz. 
that age was so pivotal for me that I needed to see something outside of where I was. I knew, I always knew that there was a world outside of this refugee camp that my mother had made. And God bless her for fucking making it because look what the fuck she was coming from. You know what I'm saying? Like, no no shade. But I read something the other day that said, my immigrant parents, their job was survival. That was their task. And my job as their child is self-actualization. And that is the... And this is this part is not the tweet. This part is me. <laughs> and that is the polar opposite of each other. On the spectrum of what the human body and mind can be used for. It does both of those things very, very well, given that it's in the right conditions. But even back then, I knew. I knew in third grade. I knew in fourth grade. I, fuck, I think I knew in second grade. We had this teacher, Miss Widener, in second grade. She was a lesbian, and she was like a very open lesbian. Like, you know, remember the lesbians from the 80s with the tracksuits and the blowout short hairdos and the glasses, like the 1970s glasses, so you couldn't really tell if they were like a guy or a girl? Her. We had her. And even back then with Miss Widener, I started to like see that there was like a world outside of what I was living in. You know, inner city, Harlem, like it's inner city Manhattan is dangerous. You got like these immigrant parents you have this completely different world when you walk in your house and the thing of this external world it, it it doesn't matter what's going on out here but you still gotta fucking survive out there you can't talk about what's going on out there in the home because to be perfectly honest there's no vocabulary to translate between the two you speak one language at home you speak one language outside but there is no bridge between the two and that's why you'll often see that immigrant kids well, Im- kids of immigrants, when we have our own kids, we don't speak to them in the language that our parents kind of oppressed us with. They gifted us with it, but they also controlled us with it. It was their way to separate us from the outside. Do you understand what I mean? And so the language is no longer associated with love. It's associated with control. Anyway. So the thing about Mr. Kino was that he liked the best of everything. And he was wealthy enough to have it. And that motherfucker was in his late 30s and he was burned the fuck out. And he needed to go do some good. And I guess Mr. Cruz was the only fourth grade teacher we had that year. And he took some kids off Mr. Cruz's hands. They split that class up evenly. And those of us, and I firmly believe this. Those of us who were way too emotionally fragile to survive a Mr. Cruz academic year, we got Mr. Keenan. Yo, we went everywhere, fam. Literally, we would go on field trips like it was our job. We would plan outfits for our field trips. And it was the strangest year because we would pass the other class in the hallways. And we would be like, 
of course, everyone in a Catholic school is very well behaved, you know, and it's very strict discipline. They were still hitting kids at assembly, by the way, when I was a kid. He's been, uh, he's been having a little bit of a time since the decision, you know, that we can travel and we can go where we want. His father has been making it really hard for him. Uh, first, he tried to talk him into getting a job as a way to curtail the travel without having to, you know, break any laws. And then when Baba wouldn't take the job, then he said that he would no longer be able to have a phone or go to the gym because uh, if he wasn't going to get a job, he wouldn't be able to afford it. You know, as a way to like, push him into taking the job because what kid wants to lose their phone and he just started going to the gym with his friends you know the two things that he had somewhat control over and of course this kid is like don't worry my mom will pay for it (laughs) don't even trip dog but I'm not taking that job because I want to go traveling and well that job no that job wasn't even about traveling that job was more about just Like, it's corona and you're 14 and you should be focusing on school. Like, this is not the time for this. Um, And then his dad was like, okay, no problem. Well, then I'll just get you a job for the summer. So then he won't be able to travel in his summer vacations either. And then tried to pressure him into that. And of course, I had to shut it all down, you know, because that's not what the kid wants. The kid's like, "Uh, can we go travel now that we're allowed thanks um but he won't relinquish the passport so that's tricky yeah so baba's been trying his best to be happy about the decision but it's quite terrifying he's not feeling well at all and it started about two days ago after uh, after his father you know started turning the screws it's so odd to me that someone would do this to their own child it's so odd but you know it's like that motherfucker wants to get paid no matter what that's his payday right there he thought for some reason that I I would just, like, give in and be like, yo, I'll give you a bunch of money. Let me take him to New York. Why would I do that when everything is in, like, it's my right? You know what I'm saying? Like, why would I do that when everything is in my favor? Why would I do that when the law and everything else is designed to catch motherfuckers like him who abuse, you know, kids and abuse the system? Um, But I really think this motherfucker was trying to get paid. I mean, he's always been trying to get paid. It's crazy to me how some people can have all the things in the world that you think you need to succeed, but they're just complete failures in life. Like, think about it. Tall, blonde hair, blue eyes, white dude. Like, if you look at it from, like, the recipe that everybody is trying to shove down our throats, like, he should be, you know, was in New York, was a model, was successful. But, like, that's what they say, you know, in Islam, they say ikhlaq. If your ikhlaq is not good, if your manners, if the way that you deal with people is not good, it doesn't matter if a twist of fate puts you at the top of the pile. You'll find a way to burrow down into the shit because that's where you belong. Um, 
you know, someone who could have very easily parlayed that modeling career into a designing career or into a PR career or into an acting career um, degenerated into total failure. And then, you know, run back home to the welfare state because you can't cut it anywhere else. Um, but just never, you know, some people need to get paid and some people know how to make money. And, and, and you know, that's always been my thing when people get upset with gold diggers. Like, listen, there's two kinds of people. There's people who make money and people who know how to get paid. Now, some of the tactics of people who know how to get paid are not very good, but I'll tell you what, a lot of the tactics of the people who know how to make money aren't great either. I mean, look at the state of our planet. You know, greed brought us here. People who know how to make money are just as fucked up as the people who know how to get paid. It's just in different ways. And so we're sanctimonious. You know, we judge the people who know how to get paid because oftentimes they're exploit you know they're um exploiting someone but people who make money you know if they don't don't do it in a very conscious way uh are also exploiting so you know i don't really like to i don't like to judge people on how they get by but when it comes to men who want to get paid off women it's not even like I'm judging you because you want to get paid. It's not even like I'm judging you because you want to get paid off a woman. I'm judging you because if you a bitch, just say that. Why are you pretending walking around like you're a man? <laughs> That's the only part. That's the only part. Like, everyone's all up in arms about trans people saying this. I'm a woman. I'm a man. Blah, 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 blah. Say whatever you want. Say what, you have the right to say whatever the fuck you want. You have the right to identify however the fuck you want. Yell it in these people's faces if you want to. Fuck them. Go you. But also, you know, the word man. Like, that's an honor. That's a title. That's not just something you get to say you are because you have a dick between your legs. That does, that's not what makes you a man. It makes you a male. <sighs> You know, the weakest of every species. Yeah. It doesn't make you a man. And I just, I find it so crazy that when this total abject failure, you know, again, put in the most lucrative city at the most lucrative time, it's the motherfucking late 90s, fam. You know what I'm saying? Like, my ex-husband Brad's career blew up. It's the, it's the late 90s male models were it. Okay, it's Zoolander time. And you just do what with it? Nothing. You make enemies everywhere you go. Everybody fucking hates you. Everybody talks bad about you. By the time we leave New York as a couple with a kid... You're running out on $150,000 in tax debt? Wait, my dude, tax evasion? Again, there is this weird misconception in Northern Europe that like no matter what happens, you can just run home to the welfare state and everything will be fine. And that kind of makes sense if you never want to you know, leave this snow globe ever again. But you know, 
in America, if you fuck with the IRS and you try to come back into the country, family, they catch you at the airport and they deport you. They grab you. Because you can't be doing that. Because if it was that easy to get out of your taxes, half of Pakistan would be filled with New Yorkers. You feel me? Like, no. So it's like leaving a trail of just brokenness and debt, you know, littered behind you. But this complete uh, narcissistic ability to razzle-dazzle the situation, make it all look like it's somebody else's fault, and just keep chugging along with the con, you know? I think the narcissist's commitment to the long con is what's truly terrifying. But when you add to that the element of your own blood, that's when you really see what these people are made of. It's one thing to be conned by a narcissist. It's one thing to watch them do it to someone else. It's another thing when they do it to their own kid, fam. It's so disturbing. It's so destructive. It's so dangerous. Like, I am no joke. No joke. Straight up terrified for my kid and the years and years and years of therapy it's going to take him to dismantle the fact that he was living with someone who was holding him hostage bullying him forcing him into doing things he didn't want to do all under this threat that he wouldn't be able to see me again even when he wanted to be confirmed and then didn't want to be confirmed. And I'm like, yo, that's a really serious decision. You can't just pick a religion because you want to get candy and money. His father told him, if you don't get confirmed, you can't see your mom anymore. And Carolina's been telling me for a while, she's like, you don't understand what this kid has lived through. He has lived with the constant threat that he would never be able to see his mom. You understand what I'm saying? family last night when he turned down the job that his dad tried to sabotage him with he pulled the same shit on him he said that's it now you're staying here you don't get to see your mom for two weeks can you imagine i mean he's 14 now (laughs) he's 14 and tall as fuck so you can't just say whatever to him but even a year ago that was a terrifying threat and it worked and he threatened him with that Four days after a court told him to sit the fuck down, that he had no fucking right in the situation and that he needs to fucking behave himself and not fucking terrorize his kid. This motherfucker lasted four days. Four days. And here we are. This poor child is once again, his lymphatic system is completely clogged. He's feeling so sick. And I know why. Because his emotions. Because what is this? Because this is fucking confusing as shit. The government is saying we can leave. My mom is saying we can leave. But you over here holding a passport hostage talking about I want to come to New York with you. In the in the legal proceeding the other day at the family court, he his lawyer's like, "Yo, we want to go to New York." I said to the woman behind the 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 counselors, the judges, whatever, the lawyer, the family court people. I said, "What makes you think I want to drag my broke ex-husband around for the rest of my life?" What do you mean, come to New York? What are you even talking about? We're divorced? Like, family, what don't you get? This is what I don't get about dudes. Dudes be talking about how bitches can't get over them. Bitches so emotional. Motherfuckers, like, what's wrong with you? That you don't know when a woman doesn't want you anymore. Is your ego really that fucking 
spoiled and rotten inside? Are you that decayed inside that you don't fucking get it when a bitch don't want you? What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, I understand seeing a fucking mark. I understand seeing a payday. And then feeling the fucking frustration that you felt that you tasted that shit in your mouth and then you couldn't have it. I get that you wanted a certain amount of money and you didn't fucking get it. But but this is what you do? You embarrassing yourself in open fucking court talking about take me with you? Take me with, take you with me where? <laughs> take you, motherfucker, in three and a half years, I'm never even going to hear your voice ever again. Like family, you will be... D-E-Ed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but here we are. Minus three and a half years. And this person still has to be like just a nuisance and so abusive and so destructive. And then, you know, wait, wait, wait. For, so so yesterday he tells him you can't leave. You have to be here for two weeks now. Four days ago, he sat in court and said, my son can go, come and go as he pleases. The visitation is what he chooses it to be. Four days later, he's like, you're going to stay here for two weeks. You can't leave. You can't see your mom. And you're going to think over the job decision, meaning you're going to take it. And this kid was like, no, my mom's waiting downstairs. I'm going. No. Bruh, this is the most disjointed pod ever. I'm doing it in these little segments. Oh, oh my God. But can you believe it? I know we started off talking about Mr. Keenan, but like now we're at the scalding hot tea. I literally had to record him yelling at Baba, threatening him, and then had to send it to the family court. Like that's how bad it's gotten post-victory. Can you believe that? It's like... You would think that when you won, like things would end, you know, things would, okay, now you've been told you have these rights, you can do as you like, like that's it, that's the end of it. But what I'm realizing is that with some people, the natural respect for authorities or laws, that only applies for them if it's in their benefit. If it's not in their benefit, it's just an impediment to get through. So a legal court or any legal agency saying something to a narcissistic, misogynistic man, especially if it's an agency full of women run by women, of course he's not going to take it seriously. And it's terrifying to watch the way narcissism operates in a parent because it's uh, it's a cannibalizing thing you end up destroying the host you're trying to live off of or you end up destroying the connection with that host. So in this situation, what I mean is like, I don't think he realizes that he's losing his connection with his son because of his own actions, his own words, his threats. Like what 14-year-old are you going to tell that he can't have a cell phone anymore? First of all, it's not even safe for him not to have a cell phone. Like he needs to be able to contact, you know what I'm saying? And on top of that, if his mom is away for three months out of the year, then obviously the phone is the way we communicate. You, would, you see what I'm saying? The truth of the matter is, and this is one of the things that I said 
in my family court deposition. The truth of the matter is, is that this motherfucker was looking for a payday and has been looking for a payday for so fucking long that now that he's like run out of option, he's like, damn, I can't get this bitch to pay me. Now he's like, okay, well, I can still get a weekly weekly payment out of her or some kind of income out of her. So I never have to get a job. Like literally never, never, never has a job ever. Unemployed, broke, in court with two different law with two lawyers fighting for two kids who don't want to be around it like it's crazy like it's two moms who don't like know each other for shit one is danish one is a uh, pakistani american and we have the same issue with the same man with like it's like and you're unemployed and you're broke and you're like what like what so now the payday that he's looking for mind you he gets money from the government for the children i don't know what where that money is going right because he's not buying no clothes no food no nothing but the weekly payout is something you know this is the new idea if i can't get a lump sum for holding her kid hostage maybe i could get a weekly payout oh so boom so from now on your mom has to pay for your cell phone or your gym so i talked to my dad last night i was like fam I have no problem paying it, but I'm paying the phone company straight. I'm paying the gym company straight. There's no, there's no cash, you know what I'm saying? Being handed over. Like this is not a, this is not an extortion racket. You are not the mob and I'm not a fucking store owner on main street. You know what I'm saying? Like, no. Um, and then I was also, a uh, ref fam happened to book a reading with me. Uh, the other night and then we got on the reading and she's a lawyer and we got on the reading and instead of me doing her reading for 10 minutes she just gave me advice so I'm actually going to do her reading this weekend inshallah but just such a nice person um and she said she was like family like (laughs) like don't don't fight with a narcissist like there's nothing to fight about like that's like the one thing that you have to understand no matter what there's no going back and forth there's no fighting there's no you can't, conflict is the air they breathe if there is no conflict they starve they they suffocate to death you know what i'm saying and i just had to take yesterday which turned out to be it was supposed to be a lovely day and it turned out to be completely horrendous you know i got two signs into my horoscope and the whole world seemed to blow up and then my child is in tears and he's being told that he can't see me for two weeks i mean these are threats like carolina told me a while ago she's like this child is traumatized because he's been told from five years onward if you don't do exactly as i say you can't see your mom and then to have that threat used again on him when he's 14 yesterday like it was like family like what's going on like, I won. Can I just not relax for 12 hours before the next fucking blow up? Like, what are you doing right now? Like, what kind of crazy fucking person do you have to be that your kid is going on record with the government saying, yo, I've been asking him for eight years to let me go to New York and see my fucking grandparents and he won't let me. And the the counselor who's interviewing your child is saying, yo, this kid needs to see his family. Like, this is affecting him. And you sitting there telling them to their face that you don't care. Telling them to your face that they that you don't care, and the next fucking day, you know this kid is suffering. The next fucking day, two three days later, 
You tell him he can't see his mom anymore if he doesn't take a fucking job. A 14-year-old? Is that even fucking legal? Those of you who are in Scandinavia, in Denmark, those of you who know international law, like, hit me up. Because this shit is, like, getting really out of hand. And even though the government and everything is on my side, it's like, fam, like, what what do I do with this dude? Because he can't just keep, like, doing this to my kid. You know what I mean? And it's so funny that we started talking about fourth grade and now we like somehow circled to this because th- that was the thing. That was the thing that Mr. Cruz's class got traumatized and Mr. Keenan's class, we learned that what it means to be a productive, protective adult in a kid's life. And to be perfectly honest, a lot of us are immigrant kids. We didn't really have the parenting that we needed because our, our parents were working. Our parents had to fucking survive and make a fucking dollar guess who's back back again guess who's back guess who's back Hmm. my goodness what a fucking day this is part of the reason sometimes when i don't upload a pod you don't know how many pods there are like this where i've like pieced them together over a day and then later i'm like they're not gonna want to hear this but after one two three four five six i was like maybe they will so here we are and i know these are like This is me being more intimate probably than I have ever been, but I also feel that one of the things that allows abuse to continue, and I have had to learn this the hard way, is silence. And I think that abusers really do go to very, very extreme uh, lengths to reinforce that silence and the fear that causes that silence. Um, So for me to even be saying these things out loud is a liberating act and it makes me feel so much more uh, safe and secure in my body and it makes me feel more safe and secure in my surroundings because I didn't realize how much I needed to hear the family court here tell me that I had rights. I didn't realize how much I needed to hear from a person in a position of authority hear them tell him that he cannot control me anymore that was a gigantic moment in my life and I think it's taken a few days to really embody that truth uh, and feel it in my bones and it just so happens as I may have mentioned in I think the Scorpio extended that I just uh, started listening to the body keep score on audiobook and I'm first of all I have to say for some reason or other Dutch researchers really just do it for me. I think it's the amount of freedom they have in what they're allowed to research and the financial freedom they're allowed because their grants are not um bottlenecked through a system that is very biased and prejudiced in many many ways. So um the body keeps score is basically a Dutch uh, researcher, scientist, psychiatrist, trained psychiatrist, uh, speaking on the PTSD diagnosis and how it basically came about. And, you know, really just uh, getting into what happens in the body and what the body retains from trauma and how those traumas can be triggered once again with from your physiological um, just your body, your functions, your everyday life with your body moving through the world 
and how these stimuli are going to affect the body that then can re-trigger some sort of trauma. So that is a butchering of a fantastic and extremely meaningful book. Um, and I highly recommend, and I'm sure most of you have already ingested this because you are very savvy and you are very smart. But for those of you like me who hadn't, who are more stubborn and hard-headed and don't really like to, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, trust me, it's worth reading. It's worth listening to. Um, so yeah, if you're at all, you know, confused or like shocked by my candor, I think it's because it's a really important part of my healing process to be able to say things out loud that I, you know, that I felt like I couldn't say at all for so long. Um, yeah. So that's where I am at. And I wish I could give you more exuberant news. But I will say this instead. The way may, may not be completely clear yet, but it has cleared up enough for me to see that there is a future without this horrendous, just devoid of dignity, devoid of shame, devoid of honor, you know, presence. There is a way forward, there is a life where that doesn't have to be a part of mine anymore. And it feels like early morning sunshine <laughs> on a day that you thought was going to be cloudy. It feels so good. And I guess I just, uh, in its own strange way, this is a love letter. Um, I had every intention of talking about what it's like when we're children and the trauma that we're caused and also the people that help us and, and nurture us in those very delicate moments, the people who become an indelible part of our memories. No matter what happens in my life, I will never forget Mr. Keenan. The boys and the girls cried when he said he was leaving. The boys and the girls, the tough Haitian and Jamaican boys who have been hit so much they don't cry over anything. Even they cried because for one academic school year, we were so loved and we were so taken care of. We were taken care of as if we were a rich banker's white kids. And let me tell you, that world was completely different. When an adult lost their temper, they talked to you. When there was an argument between you and someone else, they talked to you both. When you felt like you couldn't stand your classroom anymore, they would take everybody outside for ice cream. Your emotions mattered. And maybe you only need to be shown that once in your life to really know how it feels and never forget it. Okay, like it couldn't get any crazier. 
<laughs> I'm back a couple of days later. Guess what happened? This dude called my parents. Okay. My mom had made it clear to me that she has nothing to say to him. This dude called my parents. My mom handed the phone to my dad. My mom said, you know, when I said that, you know, he's looking for your number, can I give it to him? They were like, no, we don't want to speak to him. We think he's dangerous. I said, okay, you know, I won't give it to him. I guess he found it somehow. He was asking around to everybody. And my mom hands the phone to my dad because she's, you know, she just doesn't. I mean, he hasn't let her see her grandchild in almost a decade. I can understand her. You know, I can understand her. My dad gets on the phone and immediately switches to, you know, panic mode or in his case there is no panic mode it's more damage control so my dad is thinking here we are in America our daughter is over there in the middle of the night in the dark alone out in the countryside this man who has just lost this case or been, you know, found to be criminally negligent and, and deceitful is now spiraling to the point where after almost a decade of not hearing from him, he's now on the phone. So my dad immediately starts to think like, is he outside my daughter's house? Does he have a knife to my daughter's throat right now? Like what scenario is behind this phone call because he's a military person, right? Like you're talking to a retired Air Force officer. He knows how to assess a situation, but the smartest part, and this is something my dad and I have always agreed upon, I think, because he taught it to me. The smartest thing that you can ever be is aware of what you don't know. So a lot of being super, super intelligent is understanding that you really don't know what's going on. It's when you start assuming things that are not a given that it's very easy for things to go left. So in his mind, he's like, you know, this man, after a very contentious three months where he is involved in a criminal proceeding, you know, is now calling me late at night. We've just spoken to our daughter and she has just informed us that she has been given formal, you know, papers in the mail from the government saying that she has a right to take her kid where she wants on vacation whenever she wants. You know, as long as the kid is with her at the time. I mean, it's just like technicality shit. Um, And like if Bob and I are together and we want to be together and then we want to travel somewhere, we can and we don't need to tell him and we don't need to be afraid. Even saying that is scary. Can you imagine the years and years and years of trauma and threats and bullying? Even saying that feels like I'm saying something wrong. 
I have to post this, all these segments, I have to do this because I need to, I feel the need to explain. Like I hold myself accountable to you guys because you guys are here with me in this and in, in our lives together. And when there's important transits going on and there's fucking Gemini full moons and I'm nowhere to be found, I think that I owe you some sort of explanation like where the fuck I am and what the fuck is going on. And trust me, if it wasn't this extreme that literally last night my dad thought that this fucking crazed man was holding an actual literal knife to my throat, I don't know. Like if I can't tell you this, how else can I explain to you where the fuck I've been? <laughs> you know what I'm saying Carolina sometimes like when we talk about shit she's like bitch if I didn't know if I didn't know you better than anyone if I wasn't in on every phone call and every email and every text message I would be like this is not a life this is a soap opera and I'm like yo exactly like I've been trying to get off this fucking soap opera carousel for 18 years literally the day after I married him he dropped a bomb on me that I was like wait what Literally from the day after I married him, I've been like, oh my God, what a mistake. And it just progressively got worse and worse and worse. And here we are. And it's still spiraling out of control to the point where my dad thought I was being held hostage. Because I had just gotten off the phone with them and told them how when Baba went over there, he was like, you're staying here now. You can't see your mom for two weeks. And my dad was like, wait, are we talking like hostage situation? Like what's going on over there? And I was like, yo, I don't know. Like, this man is just spiraling in every direction. So when he calls my dad being eerily calm out of nowhere, and then he says to my dad, I, uh, did you, did you know that Amber started a criminal proceeding here? And of course, my dad, like, now he's in, like, total damage control. He's like, oh, my God, he's asking me about these things. Like, oh, so she's definitely that. Like, this is, this is dangerous. So he's like, we don't know anything about anything. You know, d- d- nor confirm, nor deny. We don't know anything about anything. Because, bro, I'm not talking to a crazy person, and I'm not making whatever situation is on the other end of this phone any worse. My dad went straight into immigrant dad mode every single one of you knows exactly what the fuck i mean if you got an immigrant dad you know the immigrant dad mode it's the it's the mode they go into when they talk to the dude at the grocery store it's the mode my dad goes into every time he sees a black person in elevator you know we're only here because of you we love you we respect you we like I don't know. Every one of you has the, every one of you that's laughing right now has an immigrant dad mode that you know that your dad goes into when he needs to interact with the world of like white people or like just with the world that is not his world. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like outside of his culture, his language, the mode they go into is damage control. You know, like uh, talking to a cop who stops you for a speeding ticket. The guy at the grocery store. You know, when you when you pick something up, when you like just any time they have to interact <laughs> with if they have to go to the doctor. Perfect example. You know, I was thinking of the times they interact, but they don't really interact that much, but like, you know, when they go out, when they get the paper or whatever, whatever the fuck they're doing. Um, you know, the mode they go into when they have to deal with someone that they're like I don't know you. I don't really trust you. But like, we got to hi. Yes. How are you? Oh, yes. Yes. You. Know. <laughs> it's 
So my dad goes straight there and is like, you know, we love you. We respect you. We... <laughs> we, we don't want any trouble. <laughs> Do you know what this motherfucker said to them? Right? My dad's in full-on immigrant dad mode. He's just like, diffuse, diffuse, diffuse. This dude says to him, I need you to send me a signed piece of paper telling me that you have no problems with me and that you don't think that I called you terrorists in open court, which he absolutely did, and that um, there is no issue between you and I. So my dad was waiting for this. My dad's like, okay, so hostage situation, where's the ransom? Like, there's going to be something. Like, he's already in this mode. He's, do you understand that you and I think the immigrant dad mode is on some bullshit? We look at that when my dad is in an elevator with a beautiful black woman and he starts with his bullshit about we love you, we respect you. We, like, they always on some shit. You think they're being dumb. But they're actually being really fucking smart. Like, I've actually asked him about that. I've asked him specifically about the black woman example. I'm like, why do you always do this? And he's like, because I feel like women in general feel very unsafe. And then, like, everyone, at least in this country, seems to want to treat black people like shit for no reason. So then, of course, their women probably feel the most treated like shit and the most afraid. Especially when they have to be around men that they don't maybe know. Like, a lot of times, black people think that, like, South Asians don't like them. And I don't want to be one of those guys that they think like works at a fucking deli who's like cursing them out when they try to buy like a soda like i'm not that dude i have to differentiate myself from whatever the fuck other like indian pakistani dudes are doing out here because i'm not like that like i'm a muslim and i'm a good person and i want to make sure that they know that you know they're safe they're they can be comfortable around me like i'm not judging them i'm not looking at them funny and i'm like but dad not every black person is walking around feeling like someone's looking at them funny and he turned and looked at me like how the fuck do you know And I was like, okay, but even if they are, it's not your job. To, and he's like, maybe it is my job. That's for me to decide. That's how I am. You can do whatever the fuck you want. He's like, if I was black and I had to live like this, I would feel judged and looked at all the time, all the time. How the fuck do you know they're not walking around feeling that way? Maybe she got in this elevator and thought, oh, here's another Uncle G judging me for some shit, you know? And if I just take 20 seconds to be like, you know, we really... And I'm like, but dad, it's kind of rude because you don't know the person. He's like, how come then they're always smiling and they're always like, thank you? And I'm like, they're probably just like, you're crazy and old. And he's like, so then let me be crazy and old. <laughs> so like, they know how to use it. They use it as a device. Either they're trying to disarm you or diffuse a situation or they're trying to make somebody else feel at ease with them. Do you know what I mean by that? Like the way we talk to very old white people. You know how you're like, hi. You know, because you know. Because you know that they, <laughs> there's like a certain <laughs> level of delicacy with which you have to approach it. Or they'll be like, oh. You know, they'll get scared. Um, so my dad's doing his whole, we love you. We respect you. Everything is okay. And this dude goes straight to, okay, send me a piece of paper, boom, saying there's nothing ever that happened between you and I, and there's never been any problems. My dude, you have not let them see their grandson in almost a decade. 
if there was no problem. I would love to see you how you behave with people you're actually angry with. What are you talking about? How, like, and of course, my dad, again, my dad's like, okay, here's the ransom. This is the ask. Here's, I was waiting for the ask, please drink something. I have a whole bottle of orange juice here. My dad's like, okay, no problem. He's like, will you send me that? Will you send me that letter? No problem. Send us, send it. I'll email you. I'll tell you exactly what to say. You, you send me an email back to that. Is that okay with you? Absolutely. No problem whatsoever. Don't you worry. Get off the phone with him. Call me. And my mom is hysterical. She's like, oh my God, thank God you're okay. I'm like, what's going on? They're like, yo, we think Jacob just tried to blackmail us or like threaten us. We thought something was wrong with you. We thought he was outside your house. We thought he was going to harm you. We thought he had a fucking knife to your throat. We just, we have no idea what's going on. We get this call out of nowhere and he's being eerily calm and he's acting like he doesn't know that there's 10 years of history between us. It's like he wanted us to argue with him and be like, you know exactly what's wrong between us. And he's like, why? My dad goes, how can I argue with someone or even get into a conversation like that with someone who has my grandchild in their possession and my daughter is 10 minutes away from him by herself? How, how can I, what, what was I supposed to say to him in that moment? Should I argue with him? Should I say, oh, you know exactly what you did. Should I antagonize this man right now? Is that the thing to do? He's like, the only thing I could do was defuse him. I said, dad, you didn't. He goes, of course I did. I said, did you do your, we love you. (laughs) We respect you. And he goes, of course I had to. I was like, oh my God, dad. He goes, what? He's like, I thought he might kill you. I thought he might kill him. Like, I don't know what's going on over there. Like, there's an actual criminal case. Like, what do you, like, what what do you want me to do? He's like, you're telling me all these crazy things that he's doing. He's trying to hold the kid there saying you can't see your mom for two weeks. He's coming up to you when you're in the car trying to, you know, assault you, accost you. Yo, I got the recordings, fam. I, rec- I got recordings of everything, fam. This, this, this motherfucker turned me into on some Watergate shit. <laughs> Call me Watergate. Like, yo. And my dad's like, look at it from my position. He's like, what the fuck do you want me to do from here? You want me to argue with him? And you even want me to tell him no? And I'm like, but dad, this dude is fucked up. Like, he'll take anything you say and twist it. He goes, let him twist it. Let him do whatever he wants. These are the actions of a crazy person. He's just showing you more and more how, like, warped his mind is. How can you call someone after 10 years with a straight face and say there's no beef, right? Yo, you haven't seen your grandson since he was four. He's 14. There's no beef, right? He's been six hours away for 10 years and you don't get to see your daughter but three months out of the year because of me. But there's no beef, right? Okay, do me a favor. Put that on a piece of paper, sign it and send it to me. Yo, can you believe what the fuck? Like, if I didn't do this pod segment by segment like this and, and get it down in real time, I honestly don't think I would believe like... The intensity, the, 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 
the timestamps of the hits myself. That's the thing. Each one of these things on its own, it's like the fuck shit that he does. But the succession of them, one after the other, so fast, the rapid succession of events, one on top of the other, on top of the other, as he spiraled after they gave their decision, has just been terrifying. Like, it's like every day you don't know what you're going to, what new catastrophe he's going to create out of, you know, what is essentially just a very peaceful environment. Like me and Baba just be chilling, chilling hard. Like just, yo, it's two Vedic Tauruses. Come on. You know how it be over here. It's flowers and sunshine and food and movies and music. And we talk about shit. We go out. We shop. You know, motherfucking Taurus loves to shop. Like, Come on, man. We come home. He does his little fashion shows. I got these pants. I got these shirts. Boom, boom. Like, we do shit. We just be chilling. Like, I have tried, and by the grace of God, I've been allowed to structure my life in a way where I can just hang out with my kid as much as I want. So we just be chilling. So this level of catastrophic, like... Oh, just just a cascade of catastrophic events, one after the other, after the other. And it's like every one of them, maybe, it, it, again, I'm glad that I recorded them when I did because even now I, I, I feel this urge to like make it seem less than it was because the mind almost does it as a way to protect itself. Like, no, it, it, it wasn't that bad. No, it was that bad. And it's like every day he's creating situations that are like that bad, that bad, that bad. Like my mom last night was like, yo, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you? I was like, what's going on? I just spoke to you. They're like, lock your doors. Put your shades out. Like, is he outside? Like we tried to, we tried to stave him off. We tried to tell him that we'll do whatever he wants. And I'm like, what is going on? Whoa. And then when my dad told me, we love you, we respect, I was like, okay. All right. Okay. All right. He was like, I'm sorry, Umber. I don't know what else to do. Like, he was like, if you're mad that I didn't fight with him, I was like, yo, I would never want you to fight with anyone. I was like, dad, it was a lose-lose situation. It was a lose-lose situation. Either you're nice to him and he's going to be like, see, there's no beef. Or you're going to be upset with him and he's going to be like, see, they're animals. These Muslim brown people, these terrorists, they're animals. Why should I let my son near them? Meanwhile, homie, you have no right over this at all but still you know since we're going into like madness th- th- like it's lose lose and that's what my dad said it's like, my dad goes what what do you expect to get from talking to someone who's not there do you think anyone who was all there would have done this to their son for this many years i mean just my dad is very very straightforward he's like i'm sorry like i i'm not a doctor i'm not a therapist i'm not you i don't you know, tell people about their shit like but i'm i'm a normal person okay amber but i'm telling you or I'm asking you, is, the, is it normal for anyone under any circumstance to create this environment for their child? Because no matter what his issue was, how that didn't translate into let me take my kid to New York myself maybe then. In the past 10 years, it's never occurred to him to do anything productive for that child to have a connection with his family. Does that seem like a normal human being? 
Because if you don't know half your family, you don't know half yourself. You don't know who you kind of look like. You don't know who you have the same mannerisms as. He doesn't even know that most of his mannerisms are exactly like my nephew. They've never gotten to be around each other. God bless them. You know what I'm saying? Like, my dad's like, would a normal person allow this? So already off the bat, you're telling me that I have to be on the phone with someone who's not okay. Now, what should I do? I can't do that. I can't fucking fight with someone crazy. I'm not crazy. And plus, I'm not fighting with someone crazy who has my grandchild in the next room in a bed. Who's 10 minutes down the road from you? Yo, get the fuck out of here. And then, and then he says, and I was also curious, what kind of insanity is he going to send me in an email? What can this person possibly say to me after all these years and then making this really eerie, threatening phone call? And it's the way he does everything. It's very friendly, but it's really confusing because your, your subconscious is like, this is a threat. This is, you feel it. You feel threatened. But on the surface, it's like, no, but this seems like a friendly conversation. And then there's dips where you're like, oh, this is actually... No, no, this is a threat. No, is this a ransom situation? Is this a hostage situation? Is this like, because, because the facade, it breaks here and there in, in moments. And you're like, oh shit. Like, no, my subconscious, my gut is right. This is, you know, it's danger. Will Robinson. It's when you get that feeling where you're like danger, danger, but the person is smiling and they're talking so calmly that you're like disconcerted. It causes cognitive dissonance. What's going on here? Is this person saying something? So, and how do you respond? If you respond with anger, you look crazy because they're being very controlled and very friendly, but they're threatening you on a, what's more threatening to a father than his, than his daughter and his grandchild? Come on. So you're being threatened, but there is this like shellac over top of like, uh, politeness you know and i've noticed this the more like i watch stuff and all these like crime shows or whatever it's some people have figured out that if you can maintain an eerie calm politeness most people will break down for you because you just keep pushing them with that social norm but i'm being nice but i'm being nice but they're not being nice they're chopping into you but but each hit is too small. Each nick made in the wood is too small to be seen until the fucking tree is toppling over. And my dad is too smart for any of it. So he just diffused. He's like, oh, you're going to threaten me? Like underneath all that. He was like, okay, let's diffuse this now because my dad's not the type. You're not going to do that to my dad. So he was like, okay, no problem. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. Of course. Denmark is a wonderful place. Our grandchild should be there. He loves it there. We have no issues with you. We have no problems with you. Of course, what else should they say? In the past four days, after everything that I've told them, what should they say? (laughs) In the past four days, everything you've heard. What should they say? I, listen... I woke up this morning like, you know what? (laughs) That's it. 
that's it. Enough. Enough having to prove myself. Enough having to prove my fitness as a parent. Enough having to prove that I'm fit to travel with my child. Enough of having to prove that I'm, you know, a normal person. Apparently, the powers that be have found me to be sane and a good parent. And yet, for the past four days, when I should have been celebrating, and I gotta tell you, the Vedic Taurus, here it comes again, this is the part that's actually pissing me off the most. Fam, I wanna celebrate. Yo, I don't like people getting in the way of my fucking celebration, man. I don't like people getting in the way of my fun. What the fuck are you doing? You lost. They said I can go where I want, I can take my kid as long as I bring him back and it's just a vacation. I don't have any problem with that. I want to go on vacation every motherfucking weekend. Now you got a problem with that? I won. Let me celebrate. Let me just fucking relax. That's That's what's pissing me off. That's what's upsetting me. I'm ready to relax. I'm ready to enjoy the fact that for the first time in almost 20 fucking years, I'm free. Can you just fucking let me be now? Leave me alone. Get the fuck out of my life. But here we are. I'm over here like I'm finally free. Get the fuck out of my life. And you're calling my parents for the first time in 10 years. What? What doesn't he get? Like, it's like, I feel like I need to put this pot up for my protection. And I know that sounds nuts, but I actually mean it. Because there has to be some record in real time. You know what I'm saying? There are timestamps on when these recordings were taken down on the Anchor app. They can look at it and be like, this recording was made at this time. Like, to have some record, some proof of like what is going on because it's madness. I have felt for the past four days, like every time I took a step in any direction, a mine went off. And each mine has been something that's really important to me. My son in tears saying he wouldn't let me, he said, he, I can't leave. I can't, I have to be here for two weeks. I'm waiting in the car downstairs. I'm waiting in the car downstairs. And now my Danish phone is cut and it doesn't work all of a sudden. And now he's in the house, like mine, right? And then he's saying, now, now he's saying I have to start working. If I don't start working, then now he says I have to work in the summer. More mines going off. Kid is terribly upset. Now my father, the, my mom is, are you okay? Are you okay? Like mines, mines, mines. Like, wh- <sighs> then I talked to my friend Karina who lives uh, down the block. This like uh, in another town over, whatever, down the block. You know what I mean? She's like, yo, this dude is like, you know, not okay. He doesn't understand. He called me. He's just like, like he's not getting it. He's something's wrong. Yo, minefield. Boom, 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 boom. And then I do the fucking daily for today, 1220. And it's like more boom, boom, boom. So I was like, nah, fam, no. No, I didn't even go to sleep. I fucking worked on that shit all night. Like, yo, family house. Peep what has been going on for the past four days, fam. Like, something has to happen. My parents are upset. They didn't know, literally didn't know if there was a knife to my throat. Like, how is this okay? How is it normal? How is it healthy? How is it legal? Woo. Right? So I sent it and I didn't realize I haven't talked to you since the, you know, before the last segment, 
I didn't realize I got the paper yesterday that where we were, that was a criminal proceeding. Fam, I walked in there like it was a meeting because that's what I thought it was. But but my claim from the beginning has been that he took my rights and I'm right. He took his kids' rights and I'm right and under false pretenses and he and he told lies. He he told lies and he said that he had rights that he didn't have and he held us against our will and he has ignored the will of his child for many many years. So I don't know why I'm surprised that it was a criminal proceeding because because it should be, but the way that they sent the letter like it's very black and white. Like this shit is serious and this has been decided and this is what it is and that's that. So for me it's like yo like I now now that letter that I sent them this morning is like I'm name I'm listing like this is actual factual and on top of that he told Baba that Baba can't talk to his private connect like his social worker that's just for him that he can't talk to her that he shouldn't talk to her that please wait don't talk to her these are all things that you're not allowed to say to them like it's it's just really bad it's just really really bad i sent it all to them and now i feel like you know i'm sorry but i'm going to be a little bit stubborn about about this minefield having to end like listen i'm going to enjoy myself now i'm going to have a good time i'm going to celebrate and all that means for me is cleaning my house and working out and taking a shower and praying and doing my work and making videos and making food for my kid and doing some business and trading some fucking crypto and and you know getting new flowers and talking to my parents and chilling with my brother i got my brother my older brother a cameo from the island boys for his birthday and that shit is so fucking hype i love it um they didn't say the quietest revolution he I have no idea why it cut off there. Yeah, I got him a a cameo from the Island Boys for his birthday. (laughs) They killed it. They did a good job. But instead of the quietest revolution, they said the quillest revolution, which I actually kind of (laughs) like. The quillest revolution is kind of a good name for the publishing company, no? (laughs) Inshallah, inshallah. We can, yo, Stephanie, let's publish the NFTs under the quillest revolution. (laughs) Because then we can use the Island Boys cameo in the beginning for it. synergy okay oh my god can you fucking believe this this podcast deserves a fucking grammy see this is the thing okay listen i wanted to put something in here for you guys and i was thinking of doing i had a reading with someone and i wanted to i I told her that i would put something in the next pod for her subconscious and it ties into what i just said about how this deserves a grammy which makes me think of kanye and then about like how Kanye and I are very similar in that way, just when it comes to like, it, I don't think for us, it's like a matter of self-confidence. Like, I don't really know what that word means. Like, to be perfectly, perfectly, perfectly honest, I could bullshit you and be like, it's this or it's this or it's this. It's just something in your bones. It's just something you know. It's something that you feel about yourself. Like, it's something that has to be instilled really 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 young by somebody really 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 smart or it's something that has to be instilled by you going back to that really 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 young version of you and you 
being really, really smart and reparenting. I really, truly believe those are the only two ways to build self-confidence that is effortless and real and does not shake. So even if everything around you is falling down, it never makes you question if it never makes you question if you're valuable as a person, if you're intelligent, if you have something to offer, and if if you are capable of getting out of it or somehow uh, mitigating it, that's self confidence, right? And that confidence is not fragile under pressure or calamity. It actually shines, and in the persevering in in the perseverance grows and increases in strength, okay? So people who are truly self-confident are constantly putting themselves in situations where, excuse me, where they may be challenged to the point where they have to reach in and find some new font or some even harder edge, you know, to, to get the job done. And they love it because they understand that it's the sharpening of an instrument, right? So that kind of self-confidence has to do with parenting at a very young age or the retraining of the subconscious by you at a later stage where you, when you feel that you are safe enough and smart enough and know enough to do the work, okay? So when you get to that point, drink something, there's gonna be some conversations you're gonna have you know, with yourself. So I would like to, with your permission, of course, <clears throat> be the moderator of one of those conversations. And by the moderator, I mean that I will say my piece and then open it up to the two of you, you and your inner child for further work. And that's how I'll end the pod. I won't I won't sign off. I'll just leave the floor to you and you can clock off of this and just and have your conversation. So get yourself as situated as you can, especially if you've been feeling really stressed out for December and this Venus retrograde now is just coming and you know, oh, you thought you were getting your ass kicked and now on top of that you're sad. So what the fuck? And you're sad about like real shit. You know, real shit that you should have taken care of that should be different by now that like shit, you're like, oh, I could have actually fixed that or I could have not. I knew better than to make that mistake. Like it's a lot. Okay, I got it. So take some deep breaths. The both of you. have been through a lot. This has to be acknowledged at the outset. And although at times you may find yourself at odds and worthy adversaries, for the purpose of this meeting, I must impress upon you that you are and always have been the best of friends. Now there is a communication issue in that you can't talk directly to each other. And that's okay. 
there are reasons for those safeguards. But there is nothing that says a window cannot be built between the two of you. So, if you look to your right or to your left, depending on where you're sitting, and you turn to face each other, you will see a wall in front of you. As you look at this wall and you sit with the feeling of being friends, of being one, of being a continuity outside of space and time, a consciousness that grows and stretches and learns by trapping itself within time. If you can feel that under this wall, there is a thread of energy running between you and the inner child sitting on the other side. You will start to feel it vibrate, perhaps in the soles of your feet, perhaps in the palms of your hands. In front of you, in the wall, you will begin to see a ripple as if the stone is becoming liquid right in the center. From this rippling center, a circle will begin to form, an opening, a window. As the circle expands, as you feel the connection between you and your inner child grow, the circle expands to become large enough that you can see each other. There you are. Take a moment to just become aware of how small and fragile you are. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. You remember what you were like in first grade, in kindergarten? Do you remember a moment from kindergarten that was really fun? A barrette you used to wear, a sweater you loved, a friend you had? Take a deep breath and lean into that feeling. Remember what it was like. Open your eyes.
and look into the wall in front of you through the circle at your adult self. Take a moment to know how beautiful you are. So grown up. (laughs) So tall. What the hell? But is it me or does... Do they look scared? They may look as scared as you feel. And that's okay. You can trust them. They know what you need. And they know how to treat you. So if you let them, even though they're really tall and dressed funny and what's going on with the hair? If you let them, they'll listen. They'll listen to you. And they'll hear you. And they'll do what you need to feel good and safe. Okay? Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. Imagine you're outside, blue sky, you're laying in the grass looking up. The sun is shining. There's birds flying over. There's people around. Someone's laughing. You can hear someone pouring lemonade into a glass. You feel so free. You notice that you're quite tall again. Your legs got real long. Your hair got weird. (laughs) And now you know. Now you know how you look and how you feel about each other. Now, here that little one comes running through the grass. Running, 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 running. So small, so cute. They run over and sit down next to you. And here you both are. You can talk about anything. There are probably a lot of things she wants to tell you. He wants to tell you. 
they want to tell you. Things that have happened, maybe, maybe you forgot, but they remembered. And all you have to do is listen. And no matter what they say, all you're going to say back is, that's okay. We'll fix it. You have nothing to worry about. It's all taken care of. Because the simple truth is, that's what you needed. You needed a capable, relatable, reliable parent. One that shielded you for the monstrosity of the world and the material. Not one who made it your punishment. And of course, right then, my child called me. So here you are. Capable, reliable. Relatable? Here you are. Whenever that panic seizes you, whenever the pain rises up, because that small child is the subconscious, it is rage, it is power, it is beauty, it is life, it is the void. It looks like a child. Okay, be very clear about this. It looks like a child, but it is the gateway to the void. It is the door to the singularity, and it is a child, and it is you. So be capable. When that inner voice says, I'm tired, I'm scared, I'm hungry, I'm afraid, I'm nervous, be a good parent. Listen. Okay, that's what we promised them. Listen. Okay, you're afraid. Okay, let's break it down. Right now in this moment, you're afraid. Because this situation is really close to a bunch of things that have happened before that seem like they turn out really, really bad. But this time, we're going to do this and it's going to turn out great because we're not going to do it like we've done it every other time. We're going to keep our eyes open. We're going to maneuver. We're going to be calm. We're going to be clever. And we have a goal to get out of this situation right away. Nothing is wrong. Nothing bad is going to happen. I am in charge of avoiding anyone or anything that is harmful or destructive to you and I will live up to that and I will do that. And then it is your job to go through your life and clean up anyone or anything that is harming, scaring, 
abusing your inner child still. And they'll tell you. I'm sorry, that was my stomach growling. They'll tell you. Sit down and talk to them. They'll tell you. Okay? Ask them. They'll let you know. Talk to them. 